Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. See you guys, and uh, hey, I just want to start uh, with a quick heads up. All right, men of Lake Point, um, we do not just want to build great disciples, we want to build strong families. So, this is me warning you Valentine's Day is nine days away. You are welcome, all right? You're welcome. So, you can start like, hey, be prepared. And then uh, also, we every year we plan marriage night to be this time of year uh, for a reason. And uh, as you just heard, I am extremely excited. Um, I am going to be able to hear my lifelong preaching hero, Dr. Tony Evans, in person for the first time since middle school. So yeah, really, really excited um, about that night. So you can text the word events to 20411. Me and Jan will be there. And uh, you can make that part of like your Valentine's Day package. It's going to be awesome. All right. Well, um, I need to get at it. Here's where we are today. We are in week four of a series we are calling, that we are calling First, things first, and uh, I'm not going to do the whole spiel, but here's the the quick uh, one-liner, all right? So uh, what we're saying is that if you get first things first, if you get the top button right, if you put first things in first place, then what you're going to notice in your life is that everything else tends to fall into order. And so each week of this series, what we're doing is we're looking at an area of your life and going, man, what does it look like? Um, to prioritize Christ, who is before all things, to align the priorities of our life to the order of the universe so that order can begin to fall into place in our lives, okay? Now, today, what I'm doing, um, what I've noticed the first two, we're gonna laugh a lot today, so, you know, there's a lot of humor in this deal, but I've also noticed that there's a lot of conviction in the room today um, because here's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about um, what it looks like to prioritize God in our schedule, the first day of the week. Now, um, in order to set this up, let me lead into it. Uh, in message prep, I came across, it's a, it's, you have probably never heard the name, but all of you have heard the thing he discovered. Um, it's a cardiologist, now gone to be with the Lord, guy, guy named Meyer Friedman. Um, he is the one that kind of looked out at America and went, man, people are dying of heart disease like crazy, And then he figured out, like, he's the one that discovered what we now call the type A personality, okay? Now, here's what's interesting. He diagnosed what he called, in America, he diagnosed um, a lot of people in our culture with what he called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. Now, I want to read you a description. This is how he described it. Hurry sickness is a feeling of constantly rushing, It's feeling like we're always behind. It's a pressured sense 
that there is never enough time. Does anyone feel this? Okay. Now, if you're on the edge, you're like, ah, you know, I'm not sure if that's me. Um, I'm going to read you three symptoms of hurry sickness. Now, quick disclaimer. Do not raise your hand until the end. Wait, okay. But if I read a symptom and your spouse or somebody that you love sitting next to you uh, embodies this symptom, you may hit or elbow them whenever you want, okay? We, we want to, you know, we, we want to understand this thing. Okay, symptom number one. Here we go. Get your elbows ready. Symptom number one. You might suffer from hurry sickness if when you're coming to a stoplight and there's two lanes, from a distance you begin counting the number of cars in each lane to figure out, okay, well, there's eight in that one and there's six in that one, okay? Okay. Now, but... <laughs> If you're really sick, like you are a deranged psychopath, then what you'll, what you'll do is if the same number of cars is in each lane, you'll begin to guess based on the make, model, year, and color of the cars and age of the drivers, which lane is going to go fastest if you're totally a sick wacko. You might do that, okay? Now, <laughs> symptom number two. <laughs> All right, you're shopping, you're at Target. <laughs> there are two lines, <laughs> checkout lines, and uh, you know, you begin doing the thing where you count how many people, you know, is in each line. Uh, but if you're really sick, you've got a terrible case of hurry sickness. If you're really sick, when you get into line A, you keep track of the person that you would have been in line B <laughs> to see if you made a good decision. And if, all right, okay, if you're really sick. All right, now last one. <laughs> Symptom number three, <laughs> all right? So on your GPS, nobody uses GPS anymore, so on your Maps app, <laughs> down at the bottom right, where what it says on the screen is estimated time of arrival. What your brain reads is time to beat, okay? Now, <laughs> let me just, can I just ask, is there anyone anywhere that may suffer from hurry sickness? Anybody? Y'all are sick. You're a sick church, you wackos. You, you need help. And the word of God is here to give you help today. Now, can I? Let me just, <laughs> all right, now, you have to let me, I have to shift emotional gears, all right? Y'all, this is doing something to us. Um, in preparation for this message, I read a few chapters of a book I'm going to recommend by actually a pastor in town named Robert Morris. It's called Take the Day Off. A lot of things you're going to hear today, I learned from this, so I'm recommending it and telling you up front. Now, I'm going to read uh, a few sentences from the beginning of one of these chapters. Here's what it says. The report submitted to the government of Japan simply called him Mr. A to protect his identity. Let's call him Mr. Asako. He had worked for several years at a major Japanese snack food processing company, often putting in as many as 110 hours each week. Just to put that into perspective, that's more than two and a half 40-hour work weeks jammed into one. To log 110 hours in a week 
requires working nearly 16 hours per day for seven days. He did that week after week, year after year. They found Mr. Asako dead at his workstation, the victim of a heart attack. He was 34 years old. In Japan, they call it, I'm going to put it on the screen, Kuroshi is, I think, how you pronounce that. The Chinese have their own word for it. I'm not going to try. Anybody speak Chinese? Anybody? Nobody? Okay, 9.30. Okay, all right. Well, that's it. Y'all can read it. And in South Korea, they call it guarosa. That's my best shot. All three terms were coined fairly recently to describe something so new that their languages didn't have a word for it. These words describe the act of literally working yourself to death. All three of these cultures discovered they needed a word, they needed a word to describe an increasingly common phenomenon. People dropping dead at their jobs as a result of working insane hours under intense pressure with little to no rest. Does this describe anyone's life? Now, can I just, listen, can I read those three descriptors again? Insane hours under intense pressure with little to no rest. Okay, now, so let me ask this question. Does God have a plan to keep us refreshed? The answer is yes, it's called a Sabbath. One day a week where we pause and rest and we do no work. One day a week. You want to get the first day of the week right. And if you do, everything else will fall into place. Now, today's sermon, because there, you're going to notice, there may be, the Spirit may, do, may be doing some loving conviction today. I want to be very straightforward and very just Bible, Bible, Bible. So I'm going to get right at it. I want to say four, there are four points today, not three, so i got to be brief. Point number one about the Sabbath is, number one, it's a command. Y'all, the Sabbath is a command. Now, I'm going to read you a section from Exodus 20. You Bible scholars, as soon as I say Exodus 20, you're going, bingo, I know where he's going. That's, uh, that's one of the Ten Commandments, okay? It is. You're going to read one of the Ten Commandments. Now, can I, I just want to point this out before I read it. So when God was condensing his entire morality into ten tweets, <laughs> this was so important that he put it in his top ten. Christian ethicists call the Ten Commandments entry-level Christian morality. Y'all, this is, I'll get to that in a second. Let me read it, and and then we'll, we'll get going. This is Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The word, the Hebrew word holy comes from the Hebrew word, the English word holy comes from the Hebrew word kadosh. It means to cut or to separate. In other words, there should be six days, and then there should be a cut. The seventh day should be separate. It should be different. These are the working days. This is the resting day, okay? Six days, you shall labor and do all your emails, I'm trying to, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall turn off your phone. Amen. There it is. You shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant. I don't let any of my servants do anything for me on my Sabbath day, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Now, Did you see this? That's one of the 10 commandments. I actually don't have much to say here. I just want to point this out. What's really interesting, guys, this is in the same list as do not commit adultery. 
This has the same weight as you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not lie, you shall not blaspheme the name of the Lord. And in that same list is one other. He goes, I love you so much that one day a week, you shall not do any work and I want you to rest. Now, what's, in, what's so interesting to me is you'll never meet a Christian that's like, you know what you ought to do. It's totally fine for you to commit adultery. It's totally fine for you to kill somebody. It's okay if you lie, that's fine. But for some reason, when it comes to this one commandment, Christians everywhere act like it's totally okay to violate this commandment. You know, uh, example of this. Um, my, so my Sabbath day is Monday. I'm gonna talk about why that is here in a second. But my Sabbath day is Monday. And so I, I, don't, I don't, that's my Sabbath day. Well, this happens kind of frequently. A few years ago, I was standing around the office and somebody just said something like this. The person will remain nameless. And they just said this. They said, Pastor, um, I, know that, that, uh, I know that Monday is your Sabbath, but would you? And now here's my response to that. You know, what I want to say is, would you say to me, hey, I know you're married to Jana, but would you sleep with my wife? <laughs> now, didn't that feel awkward even for me to say it? That felt awkward even for me to say it. But do you notice we have no problem going, I know that's your Sabbath, but would you do this? But guys, this is the same list as you shall not commit adultery. So if you say to me, hey, I know Monday is your Sabbath, but would you, I'm going to say, you know, do you want me to, you know, sleep with somebody else's wife? And hey, while we're at it, why don't we hire a hitman and knock off a convenience store and blaspheme the name of the Lord? And then I'll say, I'm sorry. That was very intense. That, you know, that's really intense. But, but you see, this is in here. This is what, so number one, y'all, this is a commandment. Now, some of you that, that uh, you know, you, some of you a little more theologically oriented, you're going, yeah, yeah, Josh, but that's in the Old Testament law and we're not bound by the Old Testament law anymore, okay? That leads me to my second point, but let me say something before I get there. Okay, yes, it is in the Old Testament law, but watch this, I'm gonna show it to you in the Bible right now. I'm gonna, let me say it and then show it to you. The Sabbath principle was before the law in creation. God codified it in the law and it exists after the law in the life of Jesus. Guys, Jesus is our example. Jesus kept the Sabbath, so Christians should keep the Sabbath as, as a follow, a following Jesus' example. So this leads me to my second point. It's not just a command. It's a law of creation. It's a law of creation. Now, I'm going to read this to you from Genesis 2. This is there's at least 1,500 years before the law was given. Okay, So check this out. This is in Genesis. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had done. So God finished his work in six days. And then he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed. Did you see that word blessed? He blessed it. The Sabbath is a blessing. God's going, I love you so much. Please let me give you this blessing. He blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So you see this. This is it, guys. It's something that's woven into creation. Now, wait, go back. Can you put that back on screen? Let, let me just highlight some at the very end here. Because I want you to say these in the last sentence. I want you to say these yellow words out loud. Because on it... God rested. Now, no, 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 that wasn't good enough. We're going to do it again. I need you to understand the significance of this because on it, God rested. God, guys, listen, God rested. You got more energy than God? God rested. 
yeah, pastor, like, you know, I'm just not really into the Sabbath because like all my Myers-Briggs, my personality is like a high D and, you know, God rested. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, you know, I get the Sabbath thing or whatever, but like I'm an executive at a fast-paced company. No, 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 God rested. Yeah, like, you know, I know like there's a Sabbath suggestion. I mean, I really, they really should call them the 10 suggestions, you know. I know that's a suggestion, but, but pastor, I've got three little kids at home and it's not really doable, right? No, no, no. God rested. This is something that was woven into the fabric of creation. And every time I talk about this, here's what somebody says, a little smart remark in the lobby. Somebody always says something like this. They're like, well, devil never takes a day off. Can I ask you a question? Why is the devil your role model? <laughs> is, it, is it the whole point? Isn't the whole point that he's the bad guy? Isn't that the whole thing? That's the whole plot. Y'all, God has woven this, the principle of resting, once every seven days, he's woven it into the grain of the universe. And listen, in the words of H.H. Farmer, when you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. Okay, listen, have you ever asked yourself this question? Why do we have a seven-day work week? There is no solar or lunar reason in the calendar for the work week to be seven days. It actually messes up the calendar. So why in the world, why isn't a 10-day work week? Why not a 12-day work week? Why not a four-day work week? Where in the world do we get a seven-day work week? Do you know where? You just read it. In creation, God wove in six days of work and a seventh rest day. And think about this. It's so woven into creation. Every culture in the world practices a seven-day work week. Christian and non-Christian nations alike, Judeo-Christian cultures and non-Judeo-Christian cultures alike, Everyone everywhere recognizes the principle, the seven-day principle, the seven-day Sabbath principle, okay? Uh, in fact, one culture has tried to change this. In the French Revolution, they tried to change it to a 10-day work week. Do you know what happened? Disaster. Disaster. The economy crashed, suicide skyrocketed, and productivity actually went down despite them adding three days to the work week. Did you know this? Study after study shows that you work for 50 hours, and then after 50 hours, your productivity, it plummets. What's interesting about that is that 50 hours comes out almost exactly to a six-day work week. I could do this all day. History has it that the settlers that kept the Sabbath on the Oregon Trail arrived before the ones that didn't. Fascinating. Now, let me do one last one. It's got a bit of an edge to it, but just track with me. This is interesting. You study your Old Testament. There are only four things in the Old Testament that carried with them a death sentence. Adultery, murder, breaking the Sabbath, and rebellion against parents. That's my favorite one right now, okay? When, listen, when, when your kid disobeys, you might, we're in the Old Testament, you be dead, okay? Now, let me just say, uh, it wasn't momentary disobedience. It was ongoing open rebellion, but it, that's a little more funny to say it the other way. So those are the four things. Adultery, murder, breaking the Sabbath, rebellion against parents. Now, let me ask you, God, this is so important. God put a death sentence on this one. Let me, why? Do you know why? Because when you continually break the Sabbath, you're killing yourself slowly. See, in the New Testament, you won't get killed for working seven days a week, but you will kill yourself. That's what it does to you because it's woven into the fabric of creation. Okay, I wanna prove this to you. And uh, here, heads up, you math people, when I'm done doing this, you're gonna be like, that was insane. 
and the rest of you, like the other 93%, I'm gonna have to explain it to you, okay? So just kind of track with me. Now, so sociologists, just track with me. I like nerded out on this. Sociologists, they did this study a few years ago where they were studying the happiest people on earth. And one of the groups of people they found were happiest is a, a little Christian sect called the Seventh-day Adventists. And you can tell in their name, they're like really religious about keeping the Sabbath. Now, not only were they some of the happiest people on earth, they on, bookmark this in your head. This is gonna be real important in about 30 seconds. They on average live 11 years. 11 years. 11 years longer than the average American. Now, can I show you something that's absolutely amazing, all right? This is so, this is so cool. I'm, I'm, I like numbers. This is so cool. I'm gonna show it to you on my calculator so you know I'm not cheating the numbers, okay? Now, let, let me show you this. Let me get the zoom in. So what we just said, so the average lifespan in America, remember, they live 11 years longer than the average American, okay? The average lifespan in America is 77 years, okay? 77 years. Now, but what we wanna know for the purpose of this is how many days does the average person live? So all we gotta do, obviously, is multiply 77 times 365. The average person is gonna live uh, 28,105 days, okay? Now, what we wanna know, though, is, okay, if a person kept the Sabbath in an average lifetime, how many Sabbaths would they observe? So obviously, a Sabbath, the command is once every seven days to take a day of rest, holy unto the Lord. So what we need to do to figure uh, how many Sabbaths would the person observe, obviously, we just got to divide the number of days by seven to get number of Sabbaths they'd observe. So if you do that, the average person in an average lifespan would observe 4,015 Sabbath days over a 77-year lifetime. Now, Okay, cool, fine, that's a great little fact, Josh. Now, I'm just curious, I'm just curious, if you said it in terms of years instead of days, how many years worth of just Sabbaths would a person uh, enjoy during their lifetime? Well, obviously, 365 days in a year, so we just need to divide that number by 365, and we'll know exactly how many years worth of Sabbaths they observed, and guess what it is? Exactly 11. Some of you are like, that's insane. (laughs) And then the rest of you are going, I know this is really cool, but I don't know why. (laughs) Do do you know what I, guys, that's insane. Do you know what I just showed you? That the average person observes 11 years worth of Sabbaths in their lifetime. And that's the exact number to the day the time that God added to the lifespans of the people that kept the Sabbaths. In other words, check this out. God is essentially going, every time you gave me a day, I added one to you. That's what God's doing. It's something woven into the grain of the universe. Now, you may be asking the question, okay, all right, that's kind of cool, but like, why? So why did God command a Sabbath rest day? Well, let me say it and then let me teach you. Here's why he did it because it teaches us to walk by faith. That's the purpose of the Sabbath. 
Not just, it's for rest and replenishment, but also spiritually, it teaches us to walk by faith. Now, you gotta know this. The first time Sabbath is ever mentioned in the Bible is not in the 10 Commandments. Uh, 10 Commandments is in Exodus 20. The first mention of the word Sabbath in the Bible is four chapters earlier in Exodus 16. I'm gonna read it to you. What you gotta know is this is when Israel's in the wilderness and God is providing food for them by manna, bread from heaven. Now, with that context in mind, read the, uh, I'm going to read this passage. So here, here's what was happening. First, you're going you're gonna to see it. First mention of the whole Bible of the Sabbath. Each morning, everybody gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. So fix that in your head because they'd gather and they'd eat. But then by midday, it would just begin to melt away. That's important in a couple seconds. Now, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much. Two omers for each person. That's omer, not homer. That's a, a, a unit of measurement, not go. You know, that's, a, that's a, all the 90s kids appreciated that. And everybody else has no idea what I'm talking about, okay? <clears throat> Two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and they reported this to Moses. And he said to them, well, he said, yeah. Moses actually, he said, yeah. They did the right thing by gathering twice as much on the sixth day. And he says, well, here's why that's the right thing. Because the Lord commanded tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest. That's what Sabbath is for, is for rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. So watch this. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Little principle, this is free. I, I don't like. In other words, he's going, they had to prepare to Sabbath the next day. They had to prepare twice as much so they could Sabbath the next day. You need to know this. You have to prepare in order to Sabbath. If you can't prepare, you can't Sabbath. Ironically, lazy, undisciplined people, they can never Sabbath because they didn't prepare to be able to Sabbath. So this is what he's saying. So bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, save whatever's left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. I'll be honest, when I go to a restaurant, I'm hoping for that. I'm going, man, I really hope it doesn't stink. There's no maggots in it. That's a win. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Watch this. I should have highlighted it. You will not find any of it on the ground today. So every day, God would provide. He would help them by providing manna from heaven. But Moses goes, on the seventh day, you're not going to find anything on the ground. In other words, he's saying, if you work on the Sabbath, God's not going to help you. Can I say something to you? This is what the Bible's saying to you. If you work on the Sabbath, God's not gonna help you on that day. That, that's what it's saying right here. Uh, six days, you're to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Now, what did they do? They did what we do. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he give, sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone, here's what you're, he's going, here's what you're supposed to do. Let me paint a picture. You're supposed to stay where you are on the seventh day. Just chill out, man. Relax, fall asleep on the couch, take a nap, play your Nintendo Switch, whatever you want to do. Nobody is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day, okay? Now, I just wanna, you know, let me just point a few things out here. So why did God command this? Well, obviously, it's because he didn't want us to have any fun in life at all. 
No, it's the exact opposite. He's going, I want you refreshed. I want you to be different than the rest of the world that is constantly overwhelmed, constantly burned out, constantly stressed. I want my people to be obvious people of blessing and refreshment. And, 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 watch this. Did you notice, because, uh, because the, uh, the manna kept, it spoiled on the other six days, but it kept on the seventh day. So watch this. In order to keep the Sabbath, they had to trust that God was going to be working while they didn't, that God was gonna be helping them. So watch this, the purpose was to teach them to walk by faith. Y'all, let me just drill down on this point. Why? Because faith is the essence of the Christian life. The whole Christian life is faith. We are justified by faith apart from works of the law. Without faith, the book of Hebrews says, it is impossible to please God. We walk by faith and not by sight, the New Testament says. Can I say something to you? In the Sabbath command, God is asking you, can you trust me for a day? For one day, can you stop and not work and trust that I'm gonna bless what's happening and I'm gonna take care of everything on your behalf? In the Sabbath, God's asking you, can you trust me for a day? Let me give you a hint, you can. You can. Now, if you're like, ah, you know, I don't know. Let me just, I want to prove it to you. I'll give one example. Let me prove it. Now, this is the audience participation part of the sermon. So you give me some, some gusto, like, you know, you know, you're going to know the answer to this question. So y'all help me out. Trivia question, all of our campuses and church online. <laughs> what restaurant do you ironically get more hungry for on Sunday than any other day of the week. It is Chick-fil-A. It's like a curse from hell. I will walk out of this, I won't think about it for six days. I'll walk out of this building going, peach milkshake injected into my veins. Give me a chicken sandwich, no pickle. You know, it's, there's something about, it's like on Sunday, it just pops into your head. Now, can I just point this out? Let me point some things out, okay? Chick-fil-A is the second largest fast food chain in America. It's the, hang on, it's the fastest growing fast food chain in America. It's the most profitable fast food chain in America. And it's America's favorite yeah. restaurant. Now, let me, let me, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna give you, you're gonna have a, just a second. We're excited, just a second. Here's your moment, Okay. So think about that, second largest, fastest growing, most profitable, but it's only open six days a week and not seven. How is that possible? Here's how. Because you can get more done in six days with the blessing of God than in seven days without him. That's it. That's why. You see, God's going, if you'll just trust me. In fact, let me give you this principle. Here's the principle. A Sabbath is to your schedule what a tithe is to your budget. Everyone who tithes knows this down deep in there. In fact, they applaud every time I talk about it. Everyone who tithes knows this. What a person who tithes knows from experience is that uh, uh, God plus 90% of my income can do more than me and 100% of my income. Everybody who tithes knows that. Okay, now, but watch this. So can I apply that to the Sabbath? Here's how this works in the Sabbath. I can accomplish more in six days with God than in seven days without him. God is going, will you please just trust me? Now, here's what always happens. People go, yeah, Josh, but what about emergencies? What about emergencies? Well, Jesus answered that question. Jesus said, if your ox falls into a pit on the Sabbath, get it out. <laughs> you know, hey guys, 
But then I'll add, let me just add something to that. Let me add something. Watch, if your ox falls into a pit every Sabbath, you're a bad manager. I'm serious. I'm serious. Listen, if, if every single Sabbath emergencies are popping up in your life, y'all, you got to add some systems, some policies, some habits into your life to be able to Sabbath. And watch this. God's flexible. God's flexible. In the New Testament, uh, what, what the New Testament says is that one day is not more holy than another day. So your Sabbath day doesn't have to be Sunday. Some people work on Sunday. That have to be Sunday. So that's why my Sabbath is on Monday. You can pick any day of the week, but there needs to be one day of the week that is set apart as holy unto the Lord. Watch this. To rest and enjoy the goodness of creation and the goodness of your Father. That's it. God's like, would you please receive this gift I'm trying to give you? Now, here's the, here's the other question I always get when I talk about Sabbath. Josh, what do you do that day? What do you do? What do you, like, you get the whole day just to rest? What do you do? Can I say something to you? The fact that that is your question shows that you really need to Sabbath. <laughs> you, like, you, there's, there is something going on inside of you that's like, you know, that, that's going to, so let, that leads me to my final point. Again, short and straight to the, straightforward, this sermon. That leads me to my, my final point. Do you know what a Sabbath day? It, the Sabbath, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to you, not an obligation. It's a blessing, not a rule, as much as it's a gift, okay? Now, I'm going to read you uh, Jesus on the Sabbath. Now, let me just, I won't give anything away. Let me, let me, this is Jesus talking about the Sabbath. Now, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. Here's why they did that. Because um, work was unlawful on the Sabbath. Eating was not unlawful on the Sabbath. Big fan of eating on the Sabbath, me personally, okay? Now, the Pharisees looked at him and they go, whoa, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath is what they said. Here's why they said that. Because the Pharisees took one command, don't do any work on the Sabbath, and then they they did what religious people do, and they made 615 commands about how to keep the one command. So they're like, oh, they added all these human traditions to God's one command, and they turned a blessing into a burden. They turned a gift into an obligation. It was called the Mishnah, 615 commands about how to make sure you didn't break the one command, don't do any work on the Sabbath. And one of those 615 things forbid picking heads of grain uh, on the Sabbath day. Now, Jesus responds, and essentially he goes, you dummies, Now, actually, Jesus would never say that. That's my translation. But he says it without saying it, which is kind of awesome. Here's what he says. He says, look, he answered, have you never read? By the way, you gotta understand, these are guys who their whole life was reading and studying the scriptures. And Jesus goes like, have y'all not like literally even read that thing? He goes, have you read what David and his companions did when they were hungry and in need? He says, in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God. He ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And then he also gave some to his companions. And then he finishes with his zinger, y'all. And it's like the zinger of all zingers. Jesus goes, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus says, guys, you missed it. You took a gift and you turned it into an obligation. You weren't supposed to feel like a slave to that day. 
you were supposed to enjoy the gift and the day was supposed to feel like it served you. See, that's the principle. You don't serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath serves you. So now what we tend to do is we tend to take blessings, turn them into obligations. I'll give you an example of this. A couple weeks ago, I was in Israel with a group from Lake Point. And by the way, let me just say this. At one time in your life, if you get a chance, at least once in your life, you need to try to make it to the Holy Land. It'll change your life. You'll never read the Bible the same, okay? But we're over there. And obviously, Jewish people observe their Sabbath on Saturday. Okay, now, I got a pastor friend who was there, and he didn't think about that. So he walks into an elevator on a Sabbath day in Israel. And he starts noticing the elevator is stopping at every single floor. And every time it stops, like nobody gets off and he's getting like madder and madder and madder. And finally he turns around and he goes, he looks at everybody, he's like, what is the deal with this elevator? And they said, well, well, this is a Shabbat elevator. And he goes, Shabbat, what the heck does that mean? And they go, well, well, it's Sabbath. And here's what they explained. They said, it stops on every floor so we don't have to press a button because if we press a button, that uh, sparks an electrical current. And one of our rules, of Mishnah, rules about keeping the Sabbath is you can't start a fire on a Sabbath day. And if you press a button, it sparks an electrical current. And electrical current is the modern day version of starting a fire. So it just stops on every level so we don't have to do that and break the Sabbath rules. And he went, well, you know, he just went, he was overwhelmed. He went, well, y'all got a Gentile elevator anywhere? Where's that? You know? And, <laughs> And they said, actually, yes, it's right across the hall, you know? And so he got out of the elevator, walked across the hall, gets in the Gentile elevator, doors close, he hears a sound behind him, he turns around, they've all followed him into the Gentile elevator, and they say, can you press seven for us? I said, that's a true story. Now, I want you to think about this, do you know what they'd done? They'd taken the blessing and they turned it into a burden. You aren't a servant of the Sabbath. The Sabbath serves you. I'm just going to end very practical. You, hey, Josh, what do you do on your Sabbath? Do you know what I do? That you're asking the wrong question. The question is, what don't I do? Because the command was, you shall do no work. Nothing having to do with your uh, vocation or calling. Nothing. Do no work. The word Sabbath is a Hebrew word. It means to stop or to cease. In fact, I got a pastor friend who learned from some Jewish rabbis, something that was a helpful practice to him to practice on the Sabbath. I'll commend it to you. I do this sometimes. It's a practice called slowing. Every other day of the week, you're asking the question, what's the fastest I can get something done? How fast can I get it done? One day a week, he just goes, what's the slowest I could do it? He walks slower. He drives slower. Uh, At Target, he counts the lanes and he picks the one with the more people in it. It just, it slows your soul down so that your soul can catch up to your body in the presence of the Lord. And do you know what I do when I get emails, texts, and phone calls on my Sabbath day? I have no idea that they've come in because my devices are off. It's like I disconnect. That one day is holy unto the Lord. I do things that feel like blessings. And because I so badly want to be like Jesus, I do what Jesus did. And I go fishing and take naps on my Sabbath day. (laughs) In Jesus name, that's what I do. Things that feel like uh, blessings. Now I'm going to, here, last thing, I'm going to use a word that I almost never would use from stage, but I'm quoting a theologian and it's really appropriate. A Sabbath is not just a day off in fact, Eugene Peterson, and here again, this is a word I would almost never use from stage, but I'm, I'm quoting somebody else and it fits, okay? Eugene Peterson, an elderly theologian, gone on to be with the Lord, theologian and pastor, he called a day off a bastard Sabbath. A Sabbath without the presence of the Father. 
a Sabbath is holy unto the Lord. And in it, we do things that invite the presence of God into our lives. You know, I'm, I might put my dwell, it's what I do every Monday. I put my dwell audio Bible in my ears while I'm fishing down there. I take long walks and sometimes I'm just enjoying it and sometimes I'm praying and sometimes I'm thinking about you. You know, it's, a, I, it's worship music. Uh, you, you may start putting on our, that, that daily drive podcast. It's a daily morning devotion just to get your mind towards the Lord. The goal, watch this. The goal is for you to experience the love of your father in a way that refreshes you. All right, now, here's the end. When the kids were younger, I would do this thing with my daughter, Felicity, before bed. We had this little game. She'd get in bed and I would say, Felicity, why does daddy love you? And when she was like three, she'd get a big smile on her face and she'd say, is it because I'm smart? And I'd say, no, you are smart, but that's not why I love you. And then she'd say, is it because I'm funny? And I'd say, no, you are funny, but that's not why I love you. Is it because I'm good? No, you know. You are good sometimes. You are, but, but that's not why I love you. And then I'd say, I love you because you're my daughter. And what I was trying to get into her head is that I did not love her based on her performance for me, but based on her relationship to me. Guys, that's the whole message of Christianity. God doesn't love you because of what you do or accomplish. He loves you because you are in Christ and you're a son or a daughter of the living God. Do you know what a Sabbath is? A Sabbath is God getting down on the side of the bed and going, hey, why does daddy love you? It's a day where you accomplish nothing and you are deeply loved by God. So take a day off in the name of God. I wanna pray that for you. And so, Father, I pray rest and blessing upon our people. God, I pray that we would be Sabbath-loving people. I, in fact, Lord, I pray that you would give a double blessing to the people of Lake Point as maybe for the first time in their lives they Sabbath this week. And, Lord, I pray that your presence would invade that day. God, I, I pray that the rest of the world would look at the people of Lake Point and they would be going, those people are so rested. They are so refreshed. They are so vibrant. They are so full of what feels like an otherworldly life. What is going on? And it would be because these people have set aside a holy day unto the Lord and they've gotten the first day right in the presence so that we could be refreshed to your glory and our enjoyment. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.